0: Alrighty, folks, we're back with another episode of Elite Edition. We are A L I V E Alive and Kick It Nick. We are back better than ever. What do you, you got to say this week, Mr. Barack?
1: We're back in the saddle again. We're back in black. We are yeah. name another back rock song, uh, song, but whatever it is, we're back here on the ramblings of a grappleman the elite edition to discuss this week this week's episode of Dynamite that happened last night as we record this on march thirty first two thousand and twenty one pretty interesting episode a lot uh, of uh, a lot of progression and stories here some some good matches we wrap up, board
0: absolutely we wrap up a storyline and we begin few others and we uh have a few continuing so it's exactly
1: what you want in a television wrestling program yeah well tonight we were uh advertised to have i'll just run this lineup down real quick the main event to be an arcade anarchy excuse me with a uh, miro and kip sabian taking on orange cassidy and chuck taylor we had the exhibition match between cody rhodes and qt marshall with Arne Anderson as the guest referee. We also saw that MJF was going to be giving a gift to the pinnacle. Uh, also, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers were going to take on Laredo Kid and the Lucha Bros in trios action. We would also see the in-ring debut of Christian Cage as he took on Frankie Kazarian of SCU. And one more advertised match was AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida teaming with Tay Conti to take on the team of Nyla Rose and the bunny and just like dynamite we just hit our intro let's get right into it because this show picked right up after the music and we got the in-ring debut in aew of the man known as captain charisma christian cage taking on frankie kazarian his first singles match in seven years They did a great
0: job of hammering that home at the beginning of of establishing the story. Excalibur and and JR, uh, from an announced team perspective, I really liked how how they stressed on that. Gave it a big match feel uh, before the bell even rang.
1: Set the stage beautifully. Yeah, they did, uh, which brought us, you know, the beginning of the match was some some chain wrestling was, was nice, but it, it garnered us these way too early. You still got a chance that I hate.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. It was awful. And one thing I did, I did forget to mention there is uh when studying the stage, they hammered home the, the fact that this is Christian's first match in seven years and Kazarian undefeated in 2020, 11 and Oh, really making it. That's what, what I was meaning by saying, like they really made this give, give this match a big match feel to it. Um, you have, very credible competitors and yeah we all knew christian still had it i mean the guy is amazing and the fans didn't need to tell us that i'm with you on the annoying chance
1: yeah and it was a pre-taped show so those are other wrestlers around the ring as well yeah Uh, but in this match we do get kaz playing the role of the heel and he played it very well uh more so than what i've seen out of his other seu member scorpio sky so far Kaz did a really good job. He worked a cravat for quite a while in this match, and it looked like he put Christian out, like choked him out with his cravat at one point. Great selling by Christian Cage throughout this match. Not your typical AEW match. This one went long, and we were getting the 20 minute, you know, 20 minute time limits for this match, and this was where I first recognized last night on Dynamite. That the time limits were being brought up a lot, and as this match went on, we got the 10 minute, the 15 minute. I, I thought because of how this match went, we might be getting a draw on the first match of Christian Cage and AEW,
0: <laughs> like a Darby Allen. Uh, his first match was a draw, but uh, no, I thought because of the the pace they were telling here, what I what I had jotted down is the pace. And the story these guys are telling are terrific. Um, I don't know how deep into the blowout, if you want me to go with my notes or you want to take it back over. um, But um, I I thought the pace was excellent. And the curvebox him during Kazarian's uh, heat. And what I loved was Kazarian cut Christian off with a vicious elbow coming off the rope. Knocked Christian out of the ring. Christian sold it great. Then when Kazarian had him in the corner, Christian's hope spot was was hitting Kazarian back with a big, vicious back elbow. Christian, you can see it in his face and his body language. He was turning up turning up that volume, teasing like he was going to you know, turn the tides back, goes up to the middle rope for the tornado DDT, and Kazarian shoves him off. And that was when the switch flipped. That pace they cut at the beginning, and that was, to me, a really good example of of how to tell a story in a match. You cut a good pace, then Kazarian flips that switch, brings that intensity up to another uh, level. Those two back elbow spots, great storytelling, and really brought an intensity to this match, especially when he shoved Christian out of the ring, got him in, lopped that cravada, and they worked that hold. That wasn't a rest hold. That was a working hold. Those guys did an excellent job there. Um, I have a note here. Really loving this match and the pace they're cutting, and this is before we get into... The,
1: uh, the
0: crescendo, but, really. but that's where I'm at with my notes right now.
1: Yeah, Kaz, Kaz is now using the cross chicken wing as well, and they went to that a lot in this yes. match towards the end. Uh, great tease in there. could have been a finish. Also, we get a springboard leg drop by Kaz for two and three quarters, a flux capacitor off the top from Kaz, on the Christian Cage. Kaz took that extra second to hype himself, really slammed the mat after he hit that big move, took that extra second, covered Christian, only got a two, uh, and I, the story there, obviously, that extra second is what yeah, really right, ended it. That,
0: that, that's, you young wrestlers out there, that's a thing you can do uh, to have- anticipation for the the pinfall, and you protect yourself when they kicked out you still protect your opponent it's a savvy veteran move right there but a very uh, important
1: to the drama well and speaking of savvy veteran move the way Christian goes into the kill switch for the win in this match he posted Kaz in the uh, shoulder he posted Kaz's shoulder in the corner comes back out hits the kill switch one, two, three. I, I don't have the official time on this, but this is somewhere between seventeen and nineteen minutes.
0: I... Yeah, yeah, it was over fifteen, that's for sure. Um the other thing I did right before he posted him in that the the shoulder there. So when Kaz hit the cutoff the after he'd shoved Christian out of the ring earlier, when Christian was coming back in, he hit like a leg drop catching Christian Christian coming through the ropes. Like Christian went to shoulder him in the gut, Kaz moved, leg dropped him. So Christian baits him in to get to the finish by doing the the fake tease pull out. So Kaz misses the leg drop that he that worked earlier in the match. Christian Don't. then comes in, posts him, kill switch. Beautiful, beautiful storytelling. I mean, this match the to Z, going to the well too many times there. Absolutely. Yeah, this is this is a match. These are my kind of matches. I love it. Great story. Um, happy to see Christian back in the ring. And damn, you've you, you never forget how good the guy is but then you see this match and you go this son of a bitch is i mean he's always been excellent and this just reminds you 7 years off and didn't look like he missed a beat it was, it
1: was a i it was a pleasure for me to watch this match well another thing that was a pleasure to watch was this next little piece it was a pre-tape between Darby Allen and Sting cutting a promo on Matt Hardy and the Hardy family office Sting Sting's in this promo, doesn't say a thing, though. Darby talks the whole time, talks to talks about respect and Big Money Matt and how Big Money Matt won't be able to buy Darby Allen's respect. He's going to have to earn his respect. So moving forward, we are going to see some Darby Allen-Matt Hardy interaction, which Darby, <coughs> excuse me, working with big name after big name after big name, I don't know about you, but this matchup intrigues me.
0: I think it's going to be a really, really good story on how they tell it and they get there. And this this video package was great. All these Darby video packages are great. 30 seconds. The guy knows how to get himself over in such a short time. Trademark Darby with the with mask, the fire, um, everything you, you expect to see out of a Darby Allen video package that he's done through the years. This is an excellent start to the show. Hardy Darby be a real good dynamic because Matt Hardy, in a sense, five years ago when Impact started doing these vignettes and outside the box kind of thinking to a, a national television audience and Darby's really maximized that with his own style. So Matt Hardy playing the Big Money Matt character, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I could see some real good creativity coming out of Matt Hardy into this program as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going to see that with Darby and Matt, but we're also going to get some Dark Order there. That story is not over between the Hardy right. family office and the Dark Order, as we will see later in this episode. We get a little card rundown and then a commercial break after that, and when we come back from commercial break, we get another pre-tape. This is a, this night was full of pre-tape promos and a whole lot of bitch-slapping.
0: Becoming a trend on these uh, taped shows of so the format. You almost know
1: exactly what it's going to be. Yep, it was just Jade Cargill pre-tape. It was more about her her feud ongoing with Red Velvet. That's going to continue. We also get Jade Cargill calling herself that bitch one more time, so we know it's serious because they don't say that word unless it's serious in professional wrestling.
0: Right, and and Darby's had shit in it. I believe she said. I think she had shit in hers too. So we had two shits right at the top. And also, my issue with the placement of this, I thought the video package was fine, a little rough, a little rough, could have probably cleaned it up. But um, Darby's whole video package was about big money, Matt. It's talking about money. It's focused on Matt having money and Darby fighting from underneath, right? Then Kate comes, Jade comes right out of the commercial break, and she's talking about making money and being a star. And it's kind of like, why would you... Who is formatting these damn shows? Why are you putting these back to back? It just it annoyed me heavily that she's talking about money and being a star. Darby's talking about it. It's like, let let it breathe. Let there be some room. that will be a theme I have in my notes is letting shit breathe because they did well, not
1: do that this episode. There you get the whole commercial break to breathe. So <laughs> I've got i got to disagree with you. Plus, it's going to feed into what we're going into next. So sure, that's where it's got to be placed. So our next segment is the exhibition match with Cody Rhodes taking on QT Marshall with Arn Anderson as the special guest referee. First off, first note, no interest for QT. QT is already in the ring. Cody gets his big entrance. We get Dustin and Billy Gunn coming out with Cody, the Nightmare family, the Nightmare Factory trainees all around the ringside. And Which this- I think is a nice touch.
0: But the only thing is, is half those guys are ringside inside the rail for most matches anyway. Um, you're just putting them on the other side of the rail. But, hey, I still like that it. It, it put emphasis on the school and uh, the, the trainees and ultimately what comes out of this. But Exactly. I, I, I did put it was a nice touch how they did it. The only thing I hated about this was it's an exhibition. Why the hell is Justin Roberts doing in-ring introductions for an exhibition? You wasted 30 seconds of TV time there with a glory hog and asshole having to take that right here. Very annoying. I have a lot of heat with Justin Roberts this episode as well.
1: Uh, Well, it's professional wrestling. That's why there's entrances, and they pay for that pyro, so it is what it is.
0: I'm talking about the in-ring introduction after Cody's entrance. It's an exhibition match. You don't need an in-ring introduction for that. You're wasting TV time. It's just so Justin Roberts can get one in on the show because he – later on, there's three jump starts later on, so he can't get his in-ring introduction in. Very self-serving,
1: Mr. But, Roberts. But I, I, if he was truly getting it in, we would have heard the Prince of Pro Wrestling and the American Nightmare Cody – like – he didn't go all out on, on the end in, in the intro, and you also got to realize who's in the ring and probably wants his name heard. And oh, I, I so know. I, yes. I can't, you can't just put it all on Justin Roberts. No,
0: it, it, it's a Cody thing as well. You know, A lot of ego there. It's all ego wrestling, as some people like to say, and we do get a glimpse of all ego later on. But anyhow, continue on with the Cody.
1: Cody, Cody stayed one step ahead of QT throughout the beginnings of this match, which eventually led QT to using his first underhanded tactic of the night by going to the hair. And we get, after going to the hair, we get a, a straight-up push from QT onto Cody, which draws a little fire out of Cody. Cody does the old kick-to-the-gut, back-bump, uh, uppercut punch there by Cody. It was his first strike in the I match. getting a little chippy. Yeah. QT wound up drop-kicking Cody in that bad shoulder and starts to go to work on it during a uh, pitcher and pitcher break. And then we get the first pitch slap of the night. QT hauls off and slaps Cody. Misses a cross body, and QT goes on to the outside where we have Dustin Rhodes there encouraging QT, which we know the history there between those two, the natural nightmares. QT... A little perturbed by this. A little pissed off. Kind of moves his shoulder away from Dustin when uh, Dustin, you know, tries to give him a couple words of encouragement. Shakes it off, gets up on the apron. Cody holds the ropes open for him. As QT gets in, Cody's taking his time to come back in. QT runs over and just punches Arne Anderson. Yeah,
0: so right – before this, they did a good job of of building this up because because Cody's going for the figure four. Let's QT up. Scott unlocked him for the crossroads. Let's QT up. When QT's on the floor, Jr. says QT cannot out wrestle Cody, and he's getting pissed. And that's when he shoes off Dustin, and then he comes in. They did a great job of building to this moment of getting QT establishing the fact that QT has every reason to be embarrassed, frustrated. He's pissed off. What he's about to do makes total sense. I just wish he would have had a little bit more, like a little bit more of a sell there, a little bit more fire as he came in the ring and and did what he did by decking well, Arn Anderson.
1: Right, but after QT decks Arn, he goes to the the ramp and is in a state of shock almost, and that's where we get the like. That change of face, that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde changeover where he goes from being in a state of shock to being like the evil genius as we see Aaron Solo roll in with a chair, hitting Billy Gunn. The students take out the coaches. Nick Camarado powerbombs Lee Johnson over the top rope onto the stage. That was a hell of a bump and a hell of a visual. QT smashed uh, Arn Anderson's arm. Say that three times fast. We got Juice by Dustin, which isn't the first blood of the... Uh, or the only blood of the evening, too. That's a gripe I'll have. We get a big Unnecess- pile... Dri- yeah. Unnecessary.
0: Go ahead. Go, I yeah, We so, yeah, got QT's kids attacks. Excalibur is awful. And here we go with unnecessary blood. That's my notes to this point. Q-T, Excalibur... I-, I forgot what it was, but I was like, God, Excalibur, shut up. Lay out. Like, let the drama be here. But when we just saw this a few weeks ago with another angle, so... I'm eye rolling at this point, but go ahead with where you're at, Nick.
1: Well, they stack the steel stairs on that little entrance ramp they have there, and QT pile drives Dustin right on the stairs. Awesome. We get our we get our first interaction with bronze medal Olympic boxer Anthony Agogo, who is training at the Nightmare Factory under QT Marshall. He comes in as other students have Cody held. And hits a big body shot to Cody, which they sell like it's the most devastating thing in the world, which I mean, it's an Olympic boxer getting a free shot in on you. It should be. Uh, And that leads us to where Cody is out. They drag him out to the steel ring steps and looks like QT is going to give him the old one man concerto, has the chair up and over his head, ready to blast as Red Velvet runs out and makes a save yelling at QT, he's your friend, you're an asshole. I heard that in there. But talking a little bit of sense in there. To QT stopping this attack, everybody leaves as we went to commercial break. The only gripe I had here is QT just screwed over his tag team partner and the other his best friend and Billy Gunn somebody who could possibly be a mentor. And he just stops because Red Velvet says stop.
0: <laughs> right, because he didn't want to hit a woman. Um, again, Get her out probably, of the way. Probably, yeah. This would have been when they come back from a commercial. Like later, there's a thing later on that I put like this. What could have been done? This could have been taken care of minutes ago. But AEW does a bad job with timing of ha- of. Sometimes they'll have officials and agents and people from the back run out to stop chaos and madness. And then other times they don't. And it's just wildly consistent. But this would have been a time where you have Cody, an EVP that's about to get his brain scrambled. This would have made sense for the company to come out and stop the guy from doing it rather than having a little 90 pound velvet coming
1: out there with but well, I digress. We're gonna have something here to, in a few seconds with Red Velvet, which I think we'll get, when we get there. I'll tell you.
0: Right. I I think that it was a good exposure for Agogo Solo and Camarado. A lot of O's there. Um, Camarado looked great. This kid's got a lot, of big big ceiling for Camarado. A lot of potential there. Hopefully he can fill into it. Uh, Solo's a long time vet of the Indies, so good for him to get a break. Um, Agogo. Hot pro, top, probably, possibly the top athletic prospect they have with Jade Cargill, developmental guy. So it's, it's good to put him in a faction with QT. Unfortunately, though, there's not enough time on Dynamite for all these angles and factions and the things they're doing. And they just did this, what, three weeks ago at the Pinnacle where Swerve, guy leaves faction, has a team of guys join him to beat the hell out of who you assumed were his friends they're called the Pinnacle, and they're a lot more established. Just felt like the timing of this might have been a little bit off. The way they did it was very similar in fashion to what we just saw a few weeks ago. Um,
1: I feel like we're getting what faction warfare back in the Attitude Era should have been, though. Yes, absolutely, yeah, because they
0: dropped the ball. on Because I
1: already one. care about this story more than I've ever cared about anything Los Barrique was has ever been in. <laughs>
0: And you know what? This group could end up being like the Los was of in, in 20 years when we look back on it. But you know what? It's a it's a good start. It it is a good start. It's a good exposure for these guys. Just don't. What's the what's why? I I thought when when Red Velvet was out there, I was like, why isn't why the hell isn't like Jerry Lynn and the refs like this is a this is the where it makes sense for them to come out. Maybe Red Velvet comes out with them, but she shouldn't have been the only one. To stop this blind rage by QT and his his three kids, who's who's with him. But we'll see. We'll see how they how they squeeze this all in. Coming weeks with, with Cody involved, you know they're going to get TV time.
1: Well, we get that commercial break after, and when we come back, we get an interesting pre tape promo between All Ego, Ethan Page, and Scorpio Sky. When I first saw this at the beginning of this package, I thought we were getting like some i don't some sort of promo where these it's going to be multiple wrestlers in this promo uh. Yeah. but it, it's just ethan page of scorpio sky and now scorpio sky the first ever uh tag team champion with seu gets tossed to the side in that faction i guess because daniels and kaz are a, a team again and now we're going to get all ego. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky as a team taking on the Seidels on elevation.
0: They've been overlooked. I, this, this is what they're
1: saying? I,
0: Ethan Page has been there three weeks. He's already feeling overlooked. Scorpio Sky is the most overlooked talent there. Again, they're starting doing something with Sky. Starting moving him in a direction, and then here they go changing gears. Of course, this poor this poor guy. Can they just not run with him? Stop so- wasting TV time with. Aaron Solo, Ogogo, and Camarado, and take that shit, delay it six months, and keep the ball rolling with Scorpio Sky. You had so much momentum with this guy. Nothing against Ethan Page, but this is just a strange swerve of direction. Why is everyone overlooked now? I I don't get it. I just don't
1: get it. Well, booking-wise, it's weird, but I will say both of these men are great tag team wrestlers. They are. That is one thing. I guess if we're looking for some sort of light at the end of the tunnel type of situation or best case, worst case scenario, they're two hell of a tag team wrestlers, So we'll see what they can put together. Uh, after this pre-tape, we get a recap of the exhibition matches happened and the post-match events, which brings us to Dasha interviewing Red Velvet. And this was really quick, and this is where I think this interaction could have took place at the end um, yeah. The, the beatdown.
0: Yeah, is,
1: Jade. Yeah. Red Velvet says she has Cody's back and immediately gets booted by Jade Cargill. She gets blasted and tossed into the roadie cases, and we get another that bitch line. Why couldn't <laughs> she come out just to keep – she doesn't even have to be associated with QT and crew, even though she she trains there. That's her right. trainer. But she could have just came out, grabbed Red Velvet. They could have brawled, brawled away. And she could have just –
0: Came out, threw her down, Jade walks off, then QT brings the chair up to smash Cody's brains, then all the officials run out to stop him. Could've, and then you could have did this package here with something else. This could have been where you plug the Darby one in, and leaving Jade where it's at and just went cold there. I mean, just again, the formatting of these shows, they drive me up a wall. Um, so <laughs> that was... This- one of those situations of but we get to it then we go from
1: one promo cargo and and we go jump right into another freaking promo backstage i was gonna say we go from pre-tape to quote unquote backstage to another pre-tape promo this is john moxley again arguably the best promo going and basically the notes i have on this promo two things he still owes the the bucks one and a lot of things piss john moxley off
0: <laughs> yeah he's gonna kill somebody yeah <laughs> well, well it's like
1: he, he damn near does because our next match is indeed john moxley taking on cesar benoni with ryan nemeth the hollywood hunk and jd drake the blue collar badass this match, it, again, it, it it's one of those matches that is what it is. It's there for Moxley and Moxley only. Uh, Benoni doesn't look bad. And uh, before I get into it, I guess poor Cesar Benoni, his wife, is very ill right now. And so hopefully everything with him and his family is taken care of. Something yeah. with leukemia and some trans, uh, fusions or transplants that need to be done. So hopefully and, everything her
0: donor to is today. in Brazil. Yeah, it's her sister, sister is stuck in Brazil or something like that that they're trying to get into the country. Sounds like there is some positive news that came out of it. Uh the the JAGs lawyers got involved and they helped expedite the process. So nice. it pays off when you when you work for a multi multi billionaire
1: these cares. types
0: of situations can yeah, they can, they can, these situations can help. well I mean it if that's a shot at Vince, I mean, he's done so many things for his talents through the years in similar situations and, and office employees and things. But, um, I mean, just when you have someone very wealthy that you work for that can make these things happen and expedite, it's good good for him. Sounds like we're going to have a somewhat of a, a happy ending to that story. Um, yeah, I was glad you brought that up. I did make a note to talk about that. So,
1: Well, in this, Max... Maximum- match, Moxley chopped that big tree down early. We see Ryan Nemeth getting involved for the cutoff, too, and we get a pitcher pitcher break in this match. So a little longer than our regularly scheduled Moxley squash. Get uh, some distraction from J.D. Drake on the outside with the referee, which led to some more Nemeth involvement, where he gets hit with a paradigm shift. Benoni goes to suplex Moxley Moxley floats over into that choke he shifts into it and John Moxley chokes Caesar Benoni out I thought for at one point extremely well sold by Caesar Benoni thought he was going out but Moxley they said thirty one two and one right now
0: no Moxley is impressive what one thing that did irk me a little bit about this uh, uh, was I'm like, J.D. Drake's ringside. We just watched Caesar Bononi get killed by Hagman Page, was that, two weeks ago, last week? In a very recent episode of Dynamite. We yet see this J.D. Drake guy. Now I understand why they didn't do it coming up later. We find that out. But, but Caesar Bononi, man, like, just cannon fodder here Um, for Moxley. Did get choked out. This was my other issue with Justin Roberts, was during Moxley's entrance. He channeled Tony Chimmel. With the way Chimmel used to do John Cena, Roberts has been doing this slowly. Each episode, it gets a little bit more annoying. With the "Jan," his constipated yell of "Jan," like he's got to take a shit and can't get it out. And I, God, Tony, Justin Roberts really annoyed the hell out of me this episode, and that was that <laughs> might have put me in a bad mood for this I was Like, God, they're gonna have to squash Caesar Bononi again. We just saw this with Hangman Page. Justin Roberts needs to shut the fuck up. And um, why? And I see J.D. Drake and Nemeth out there. I was happy that they were out there this week. But I'm like, man, there's no emphasis on this J.D. Drake kid. The kid needs to learn to find the camera and get himself on there. Good job by Nemeth to get on there and get himself involved in the heat spot and keep himself relevant. That Nemeth kid, not nearly as good as his brother, but he's very, very savvy, very, very smart. He knows how to maximize his opportunities. I was very great, very happy to see what he did in this match. Um, and that's understanding his role and ex- doing his role all in his very well. Well,
1: geez, tell me how you really feel about Justin Roberts. I mean, how many WrestleManias <laughs> have you announced there, Matthew Priest? <laughs> Not a one. Not a one.
0: <laughs> but, I, I was a big Justin Roberts fan. I used to be – he was I'm an influence of mine. I'm always the last balls. In the last three or four months, I'm just like, this guy – is getting on my nerves. I, I don't know what it is. Well, Never had heat with them until recently. I'll tell
1: you what is next. Another pre-tape promo from Team Taz. <laughs> and again, Taz, Taz state and everything's fine and dandy. And Ricky Starks actually spoke up for himself a little bit this week. Wanted to hear about what Brian Cage thought about their match on Dark cage said something about wanting a tag sooner i believe they lost the match although i thought i saw in the dark results that team taz won the match so i was a little confused there so if you don't watch dark and you pay attention to the lower thirds and see the win there and then you get this promo kind of here's here's my notes i said would have been nice to have a clip
0: from dark air to reference it then promo Here's a thought. With all these backstage promos, instead of Jade Cargill's or the John Moxley little mini promo, because that was unnecessary, it wasn't needed based off he had the match, the shine, we get a lot of John Moxley this episode, could have cut him out. Could have cut, well, not next, but what's coming up after that out of the show, and put a little 10 second clip of Dark to, to set this up, you could have used a better or you could have cut Justin Roberts in ring entrance of Cody and QT out and just put a 10-second clip from dark so we knew what the hell Taz was talking about here. But it's it's good against Team Taz on the show, gets everybody on the show. I'm fine with it. It was just no idea what the hell they were talking about.
1: Oh, Moxley's little promo there with this one still owned the bucks just lends to what happens later on in the evening. But I understand what you're saying. Hey, have them talking and throw the match, you know what what they're talking about, show that visualization and then fade back into the promo. Yeah. Then we get what man, honestly, all these backstage type segments. I'm gonna say this was the best one of the night. Oh, without far. a doubt. It was
0: one far. of the best of all time. That they best in their company's history, arguably.
1: Great way to well let's set it up first we got mjf and the pinnacle back in their locker room high on the hog high spirits around in the pinnacles locker room mjf he said he's going to be getting them gifts first off a personal stylist they've got a guy there getting ready to pick out what colors they want for their new custom made suits MJF states his next gift will be an interior decorator to clean up this crap hole that is what used to be the Inner Circle's locker room, and especially getting rid of this stench from the bathroom. And as he says this, MJF opens the bathroom door, and we get one of these—it was very Scooby-Doo-like to me, where Shaggy and Scooby open a door, see the ghost, and shut the door just to go to another door to see another ghost. This was hilarious and still very well done. Like, it's got a little bit of element of comedy. It lets us know what's coming, and we what's coming is violence. MJF opens that door. We see proud and powerful Santana Ortiz, Sammy Guevara, and in front, Chris Jericho. So MJF sees that, shuts the door, says, hey, guys, we got to get out of here. Goes directly to the front door, opens, and that second ghost of dynamite past Jake Hager standing in the doorway and a brawl ensues that spills out everywhere in the backstage area at Daly's Place into the hallway. We got Sammy Guevara taking out Sean Spears, Jake Hager taking out Warlow, Proud and Powerful took out FTR and Tully. Dax got busted open, so there's more blood there. Did Tully get some too? Uh,
0: no, Dax. That was he looked whatever Jericho hit him in the back of the head with when they came out of the bathroom, but that was like a legit bust open. He was busted open from the back of his head, something gnarly. Um, I don't know if it was a bottle of bubbly, because Dax did hit use the bottle of bubbly when they turned on MJF, so I assume that's what it was. I didn't rewatch it, but that legit. I mean, the way he was bleeding. And, uh, you know, on the social media, he posted a scar, and that that wasn't no blade job. I think he, he was bleeding like a stuck pig. There was blood everywhere. But this is a segment where it added to it, which just proved that Dustin's blood earlier in the show totally unnecessary, especially after what we saw with Britt Baker. If you're going to do blood and it's real, I'm fine with it. If you're going to juice, make it mean something, and uh, Dustin's was totally unnecessary. But this was
1: well, after, hard
0: way yeah. city, and it was awesome i mean i the the effect of them opening the door and seeing the inner circle there i liked that the inner circle was wearing all black they looked like a gang they looked like they were sad serious listen their faces love the scooby-doo reference made me think of uh it made me think of like jericho big fan of the warriors movie that's who they reminded me of there I'm like oh this is jericho channel and the warriors here hanger at the door is fine i did go what happened to that that interior decorator stylist dude did he go out the door and Hager just,
1: hey, get get the fuck out My of here, pocket, buddy, man. or what? I don't think because I didn't see him leave. I don't think we're gonna get that answer. <laughs> no, we're not. Especially MJF won't be able to answer because at this time his head was neck deep down in the shitter as Chris Jericho was giving him a, a swirly, basically trying to drown him in the in the toilet. Jericho told him, you know. The worst is yet to come, as he put MJF's head through the glass door of the the front of the the cooler there that houses their drinks. Dumped the bottle of bubbly on him, and the Inner Circle throws their logo back up on the outside of the door. Inner Circle's locker room is back. My que- I've got a question here. Yes, before the pandemic started, we were headed towards the elite and the Inner Circle. For blood and guts. I can see this quite possibly being. Even though technically. It's two heel factions. I mean let's. Let us not forget just a few, a few weeks ago. Jericho was with MJF. And they tried to. Uh, they beat the hell out of Papa Buck. But I could I could see. You have the horseman influence there. With Tully. And all that history. Yeah. And those guys. You know guys like Spears. And MJF. And FTR just would soak up all that knowledge from Tully being in those matches. The other side has Jericho. Hager's been in an elimination chamber. These guys, I think they would thrive in this match. Just a different dynamic to put in the cage for that, or let's just call it what it is, the War Games match that they were going for. Yeah. And this
0: has more uh even though it's only been a couple weeks, I know I know the inner circle and the elite were trying to get that level of intensity, um and they were building the blood and guts. It just it 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 'cause they were like they attacked Nick Jackson, slammed the door on him and stuff. It just didn't seem that personal. Where this seems far more personal already and it seems like it's gonna have steered right in that direction. And a
1: betrayal, betrayal is one of the most ultimately personal things that can happen. So but
0: just another reason why the hell are you doing this shit with QT on the same episode? Bump this out four to six months because you got like the same well, angle going <laughs> on there. And
1: as I was going through my notes real quick, as I was getting ready to read about this segment, and I saw blood and guts on there, and immediately thought, you know, the pinnacle versus the inner circle. I was like, oh cuties cuties that i think that's what i'm gonna call them the cuties i like it and cody and gang now this is a personal feud as well don't let that be our first blood and guts please
0: <laughs> but you know what cody his dad old dusty was a board games he created it and that's why they were that's all they were going for with it with it was cody cut you know who knows? I mean, hopefully they do reserve it for these guys. Like I said, it, it seems like a lot more personal. Maybe they'll still hold off on it, but
1: great or segment. Can we, great. Can, we, can we possibly get some Impact AEW war games? Oh, maybe that's where
0: they're going to go. Who the hell knows at this point? Um, but uh, it was a great segment. It had great, great intensity. It felt like a fight. Um, I mean, Pinnacle got their ass whipped. And I could not believe they didn't go to a commercial after this. No, we go to Alex I could,
1: Marvez with the Young Bucks.
0: The believe fans. how the hell? Just before we talk about that, how do you not let that be that, what's digested for the fans? And yeah. you got to go to this more EVP self-serving bullshit. That's all I wrote here.
1: Well. The Bucks with Alex Marvez get questioned about Kenny Omega. Don Callis comes out to cut them off. Nick basically just leaves this interview, and Marvez is gone. So we get Matt and Don Callis. Don saying Matt broke Kenny's heart last week. Kenny chose them, his family, not AEW, uh, when, when he was making his choice of whether to stay in Japan or go elsewhere. Don doesn't know how to reach this cold and dead inside Matt uh, Jackson and winds up with slapping him. So our second slap of the night, Matt angrily grabs Don Callis. Looks like he might punch him. We don't get that. He lets him go. Callis calls Matt Jackson just pathetic. He makes him sick, and they walk away, and that's the end of this segment. I get the story they're trying to tell here. This is definitely where we can be nitpicky and say the placement of this was not good.
0: Oh, terrible placement. And then, again, I get where the story is going. It's just, I feel like they're doing multiple weeks of TV every week. They're doing like two or three things for each angle, especially involving like the Young Bucks and Kenny, and they're just smashing it all in together. I'm sure there's a purpose for it. They're probably hot shot into something. timeline wise but just felt unnecessary this was a thing especially where it's placed totally unnecessary and then at the end of the match you get why they did it but you're like this could have been drug out taking what's been happening with the bucks and omega and don this could have been just stretched i i hated it i put i i i never thought i'd say this about a don callous segment but i absolutely hated this mainly because of what it followed and they could have even let came back from commercial with this, I guess. But this
1: was well, this match that followed, I, I'm very indifferent on. It's the trios match with the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid taking on AEW World Champion Kenny Omega and former Impact Tag Team Champions the Good Brothers. Just this was one of those matches where it was just it was a lot of moves. I mean, I didn't write a whole lot down for this match because there wasn't. Much to right. There's we get a much. we get a hot start by the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. We get Don Callis on commentary. Which right there, you get stupid dives to start this thing.
0: They flip out of the ring, they jump on them, they jump start this match for no reason. The, oh, the, the, oh. the baby faces stood tall last week. They bumped Omega out last week. The the Penta and the uh, Laredo Kid all Super superkick Kenny, bumped him out. No reason for them to start hot. Then when Don gets to the desk. He's cool as a cucumber. He's calm. He's not like, holy shit, these guys just dove on my dudes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what the hell is happening here? Everyone's flipping everywhere. These guys are flipping 30 seconds later to the floor. I thought the good brothers and Kenny had a little bit of it was a clusterfuck, for lack of a better word.
1: Yeah, there was a big double suicide dive slash Asai moonsault triple team combination. But we get the heat being on the uh, Laredo kid in this match. Where we also get another pitcher and pitcher break. Throughout this match, heat on Laredo Kid. We get a I had to chuckle a little bit when we get this triple splash by Omega and the Young or uh, the you know, I was gonna say Young Bucks? The Good Brothers. It would have been easier for him to do it with the Young Bucks. Yeah. Kenny Omega, Piggybacks, Luke or Doc Gallows on his back. And on his back is Carl Anderson. Lucha Brothers did hit some good tandem offense in this match, but it was not didn't fit story wise. It was just moves. It was a uh, lot of moves. Even that splash spot, hilarious, entertaining.
0: Just didn't. I guess if you're gonna do that, this is the match to do it in. Just did not fit those guys with the current thing they're all doing. And but sometimes you do shit for yourself in the ring, and you know that. And that's what that, I think, was the case of. Yeah. yourself.
1: Well, this leads us. Omega wins this match with the one-winged angel on Laredo Kid for the one two three. They had a really good closing
0: sequence. Those guys yeah. had a
1: real... They, they, I mean, that last minute of the match was really good. If you let those two just go at it, give them... Give him... Give Laredo Kid the match that Ray Phoenix got earlier in the year. 20 minutes to open the show with Kenny Omega and I... Again, I don't see those two not delivering in a singles match. Right. Uh, we get a commercial break. Oh, wait. Hold on. Sorry. I'm skipping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we got oh, some new, f- got new friends. Yeah. <laughs> After Omega wins the match, that draws John Moxley out on the ramp. And a few seconds later, the Bucs follow. I got here. Are we going to get some sort of six-man tag, three-on-three? Three? Uh, because Omega and the Good Brothers – head for the hills as we go to commercial break and do we
0: need a post-match stuff after every match do we need something to happen after the bell with moxley wrestling earlier and him talking about how he owes the bucks one the bucks getting bitched out by don callis why is again why is this the week where they do it why can't you just let your world heavyweight champion get his win over laredo kid and let that be the last thing that the people remember let the heat Simmer another week, and then next week you could do something with the Bucks and Moxley uh, showing their allegiance against um, Omega and the Good Brothers. But it almost felt like at one point the Bucks were going to turn on Moxley. Um, I don't remember. I think it might have been Shivani or Callis. One of the announcers said something that felt like a big seed plant to where we might see the Bucks turn on Moxley.
1: Don't be well, surprised
0: if that happens
1: no, in a month. absolutely not. Uh, but coming out of commercial break, we get one of the better pre-tape promos of the evening. Yes. Surprise, surprise. It is the all-star of Dynamite right now on a hot streak. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, with Rebel, not Reba. And Britt Baker puts over a great promo. First off, great she starts talking promo. about Elevation. And how it's a great and an excellent platform, especially for someone like Thunder Rosa, who needs to get victories. Because let us not forget that that match, the Lights Out match on St. Patrick's Day Slam, was an unsanctioned match. So in the results, that match never happened. So it means absolutely nothing in the overall grand scheme of things moving forward. When it comes to title contention, great promo,
0: great promo, great promo. Because as a heel, she says it doesn't count, and she's telling the fans that she lost. She's telling the fans, "Hey, I lost the Thunder Rosa. In your eyes, I lost to Thunder Rosa, but you know what? It didn't count. On great paper, heel promo, yeah. reminding for like the, that's the inside. That's a good wrestling." well put together promo and then anytime rebel gets the mic to doing the shivani roll, took a little jab at him great 30 seconds beautiful Britt baker maximized 30 seconds of
1: tv time
0: that's how you do it right there her and darby allen Britt think, baker they do so much with 30 seconds Britt
1: brit brit baker the best things that happened to Britt Baker, excuse me Britt baker were unfortunate things to happen to her when she broke yeah. her nose and when she had to go out for knee surgery. Because when yeah. she come back, she was on the back of that ATV. And this is when stuff started to happen. When we got to see a lot of Britt Baker's personality. And again, Shivani has helped out tremendously.
0: On commentary, it's, he would reference her and pass the oh, note. Britt Baker passed the, the me notes. Note. He did such oh. a good job. Shivani did a great job. Like, when people say announcers can't get talent over Bullshit, because that's what that's their that's what their job is. Exactly,
1: 100% what an announcer's job is (laughs) to get the talent over. And he has helped that girl reach a whole nother level. Well, we go to our next match and talking about talent getting over. The four ladies in this match worked their butts off. I don't know about you, but I was entertained by this match. Not just the wrestling in this match, but the story around it. There's a lot of stories going on when it comes to Nyla Rose and the Bunny with Vicky Guerrero and Matt Hardy and family taking on the AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida and Tay Conti with the Dark Order with her. Fun match. A a good tag team match between these four ladies. They really worked their butts off. I was pleasantly surprised at how drawn into this match I was while watching it and not the guys on the outside had a lot to do with how drawn in I got, but they weren't the major reason the, the extra stories between dark order and the Hardy family just added. They were extra to what was going on in the ring.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, my, my only gripe with this match is, it's the second match in a row where you have a jump start, which goes to the point of why did those guys, not anything, not taken away from the girls, it made sense for for Nyla Rose and the Bunny to jump Conti and Sheeta. It made no sense for the Lucha Brothers and Leo Kid to jump uh, Omega and the Good Brothers. So we got it, we got a jump start here. I'm like, oh, okay. But Tay Conti's hot tag was. I mean, you will saw Penta get a
1: hot tag in the previous tag team match. Oh. Tay yeah, I
0: blew it out of the water. I have it
1: right here. Tay took the hot tag, showed great fire and intensity. Yep. Same note. What a, just, man. And just a bunny
0: taking that arm, those judo throws. Bunny sold it great. Just, like you said, this match, they told the story. They sucked you in. Heat threw in the picture-in-picture. The picture. Uh, Could have done without out the stupid brawl with all the guys it took the focus off the women which then allowed like the big but, dives and, to the floor which was silly goofy haha but hey but, I, you know, it was opinion. necessary
1: to me it was necessary because that led we we got the Hardy family office and the dark order scrapping on the outside Tay Conti hits the TKO on the bunny Nyla breaks up that pin Faction's still brawling on the outside have launched off Tay's back with a knee to Nyla there was a splash spot on the outside where sheeta was it? She, she got caught Sheeta got caught on the outside by both factions and tay hit a dive onto the pile. Bunny was in the ring though as Vicky was distracting Bunny had a kendo stick and nailed tay Conti and hit the down the rabbit hole for the win everything like this was a this is a what am I looking for here? This is a this is how a bunch of different stories can be tied together and all successif- successfully pay off in a match and lead to more and still be, I mean, you can keep track of everything. The announcers did a good job of keeping the story straight as well and still very entertaining and a very good wrestling match.
0: Yeah, no, this is, this is what you want out of a TV match. Everyone's stories were told. Uh, the only things I could have did without, not so much on the, the women's fault with the, the jump start, um, based off the previous match, and then that big, that big dumb dive. The brawl, I was fine with a brawl taking place in this match. I did not like the placement of the brawl in the match. Felt like let the girls work, let them tell their story, the distraction by Vicky. Put all that focus in there to get to your finish. Didn't like the kendo stick shot, but it does tie back to the previous week. She didn't use the kendo stick. She brought it out. I get all that. Just to each their own. Um, I felt like the brawl could have took place after the match, Um, and maybe that would have been something to go to break with. I don't know. Um, Just felt weird in the middle of the match. I didn't like the placement of it, but that's, again, to each their own. Good for the bunny to go over. That was important. She needed that win more than anybody else in the match.
1: She looked probably her best that I've seen in AEW all around. Oh, definitely. She's, she's been wasted. She's been totally wasted. She
0: could go. She's 12. Well, shit, she's probably a 13 year vet at this point. And I mean, she's worked up and down the Indies. She's had national TV exposure for over five years now. I mean, the girl has a ton of potential, but they've just have thrown out of the ring for whatever reason. And she's a solid worker. Um, I mean, hell, she was teaming with Brandy and making those matches watchable. So, I mean, yeah. you know she can go. And um, well,
1: We're going to see her next week, too, in yep. singles competition.
0: One-on-one. As um,
1: Actually, I, they okay. – oh, oh, no, if you, do you have more to speak on that match?
0: I, I just had – Uh, this was the classic case of where the bunny goes over. You get Tay Conti continuing to break through to where she's getting a nice rub out of this angle. And then you've got heat surrounding the Matt Hardy, um, what is it, HFO? And then in the Dark Order, that's where your heat lies. And then um, all the girls are elevated. So this is a good TV. This is the way you book. This is a good TV segment. Well, plus four gold stars, everyone. Go ahead with, uh, the. I think we're at the rundown now, right? Is that yeah, where we get gonna to get to the into? rundown of next week,
1: which – Surprise, surprise. We're going to see John Moxley team with the Young Bucks in trios action against Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers with Don Callis. Okay, do we get a clean finish here, or do we get something screwed? There's got to be something screwed to, keep- to continue this. It's, getting, it's
0: just getting redundant. It's, I'm, I'm just, right when they announced it, it was, again, just an eye roll. I'm over it. It's got to be the main event. This angle has to pay
1: off Sometimes It's just uh not for me. <laughs> well match I'm looking forward to is the bunny taking on Tay Conti. Yes. Again, Tay Conti had just been on fire these past couple weeks, especially if you watch Elevation and Dark. Another match I'm looking forward to, and I'm sure you are. TNT title match, there was an open contract sent out by Darby Allen, and it's been answered by JD Drake. So this is JD Drake's first well oh, his Biggest shot on national TV in his career so far. Everything I've seen of JD Drake, whether it be I think seen him in Evolve and a couple other things, mm-hmm. solid. Just a real reminds me of an old school Mid Atlantic style type wrestler. Exactly who he is, and him
0: and Darby have worked. Uh, they've 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 been dance partners many a time. Uh, they they they'll have their match. It's it's a ready for TV match. It's not like JD Drake is gonna. Shouldn't get lost out there. Him and Darby have worked a lot in Evolve. And, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see J.D. Drake getting this opportunity. And smash mouth, as, a, as I'm sure we'll hear J.R. say a few times during just J.D. Drake
1: match. We also get the Inner Circle returning next week. So they'll have their chance to be out live in front of a studio, uh, live audience. And then we get Jurassic Express taking on Bear Country tied in with Warner Brothers Movie's own Godzilla vs. King Kong, which is a Turner-owned company. And we get a Jurassic Express promo as well. Oh, we did.
0: I wish we didn't because uh, uh, my notes here is um, love Jungle Boy. Kid's got a bright future. Luchasaurus is a good heater for him. The kid's not kid Kid doesn't have his dad's chops yet. Luchasaurus, we've heard him talk. He doesn't have it there. But my God, can Marco Stunt just go? This guy does not – he offers nothing for me. And then when he opens his mouth, I, I don't know if I'd rather watch him wrestle or hear him talk. I just don't want to see him. He has changed the channel heat for me. I was just irritated when
1: this was over. I don't absolutely hate Marco Stunt like you do. Um I but I think he can be used in in certain spots, certain roles. Like back in the TNT yeah. title tournament when he got he got annihilated by Lance Archer. Sure. Uh, like that's a yeah. that's a. but I, obviously he's not gonna be doing that week in and week out. Give him something a la Mikey Whipwreck. Give him some underdog style character. It's just, it's fine with what he does. Him off the mic,
0: with so. Jurassic Express, when they like they have their little video package from like a year ago, or whatever, where jungle they're establishing the characters and stuff. And he's just this juvenile delinquent essentially. That's fine. Keep him off the mic. Don't put him in competitive matches. Let him be the mascot that he is. He's perfect in a mascot role. Just, just keep him out of being tough. He's not tough. He's a mascot.
1: He's a mascot keep them be a mascot. Well, we go to our main event of the evening after that promo and it is Arcade Anarchy. Arcade game set up all around ringside. We got some great cabinets there. <laughs> we get a big prize board with hardcore weapons basically at certain ticket markers, 20,000 tickets for barbed wire, 10,000 for a chair. That's we get awkward. a there's an air hockey table out there as well. It's a Crazy, table, Whack a Mole, Mortal Kombat was there. It was crazy. Primal Rage, it, it was like. Oh, oh
0: man, we got, we got We got yeah, <laughs> and we had uh, like Space Invaders. Like man, these are all what I do in an arcade: air hockey, claw machine, Whack a Mole, little Space Invaders, a little no, fighting no game. No Wrestle fest, though. No Wrestle well, fest. well, it could it would have been a good opportunity
1: from the plug that retro, retro mania, mania. game yet. that's brand new. Not theirs, AEW Games, which actually we do get an AEW Games ad here, a little pop up uh as this match got underway, but AEW games so far has been a couple shots of what yeah, shots of what they're developing and then some mobile casino app which I don't have any interest in.
0: <laughs> no, and then I I have a, a potential ad read here. I appreciate you setting me up, Nick. Um, all I'm gonna say for people is we're already running tight on time. Is check out showmethecovers.com, uh, especially if you're a gambler out there. Showmethecovers.com. I'll let me know the Grandpleman sent you. Uh, if you're a gambler and you're looking to improve your batting skills, uh, those guys can help you out over there. Um, that's all I'm gonna do for the ad read here. We're gonna jump right on into the, our main event uh that we've already established great arcade games. You got what Miro Kip and, and Kip. Miro
1: come out with with Penelope by their side. And we get Orange, Cassidy, and Chuck Taylor coming out. O. C's got some new theme music. It's the Pixies. And this is another match where we get a jump start. But this is the match where the jump start was <laughs> necessary. This is where it was supposed to be the whole time and nowhere else on this card. This was we just were, a brawl, man. Yeah, it, it, it started out, and I I, I was
0: cringing a little bit. See, what I like the most with this match all takes place in the middle. I started to cringe a little bit because you got Orange Cassidy and, and, and Kip brawling over by the Whacking Machine, and then Orange Cassidy just not laying anything in. It's look looking real phony. And then Miro comes over and wobble logs.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: first wobble off. Wobble logs Orange Cassidy with that mallet.
1: Kip got sent head, head first through the, the whack-a-mole sign, which just was a piece of foam board. Yeah. So that wasn't a good look no. to start this match. No, not and, a good start. And time. then Orange Cassidy used the mallet on him. But I have here Miro manhandled Orange Cassidy on the outside. Yes. Miro. And then he. And then he suplexed Chuck Taylor onto a, a barricade. Man, Miro was on fire in this match. He grabbed a chair at one point, wedged it in the corner. Orange Cassidy blocked it once and then ate it hard after. Chuck, this is Chuck, Go ahead. No, yeah. Chuck Taylor actually, as much as I hate him wearing a singlet, he, he's like the only... Wrestler, I prefer wearing a t-shirt. He did a pretty cool uh little spot here, diving off the the Mortal Kombat arcade cabinet. Orange Cassidy used the trash lid off the prize board uh at one point as Chuck used the kendo stick off there on the
0: Which my note there is it's another match, another kendo stick with another jump start. Can we please <laughs> communicate on this stuff? That was yeah. my all caps for the match.
1: Well, to single out Miro and isolate him, both Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy grabbed a barricade and used it as a battering ram, and after knocking Miro finally to the ground, they just stacked a ton of shit on him to keep him down.
0: You yep, have classic Barry spot, Barry the guy under stuff to try to focus yeah. on Kip. Well, what I mean, Kip has just disappeared a few times in this match, and I don't even know what took him out at this point. Uh, the foam whack-a-mole, I think, from earlier, <laughs> I am like, Kip has been nowhere. Miro's just kicking wholesale ass left and right, and then it's like, oh, Kip comes in with the save. Kip will do some stuff, but it didn't take long for Miro to come, to come
1: back. Oh. Miro was unstoppable in this match uh, to an extent. Kip did come back. He hit a nice shotgun dropkick on Orange Cassidy. It was sent him through a prize wall. Yeah, yeah. And and this is where it led into Kip and Chuck Taylor getting some work done in the ring. Chuck grabbed this teddy bear off the prize wall and opened up the back in what we thought would be thumbtacks like we had a few weeks ago. No, 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 it was Legos. And if anybody stepped on a Lego, which Tony Schiavone cracks me up with his line, have you ever stepped on a damn Lego? (laughs) The 90s and the young brats he had hurt like hell. Hilarious. (laughs) But Chuck, Chuck empties those Legos out, and it's him, it's he who then takes the bump, well, the brunt of the bump, Kip hit a sit-out power bomb onto Chuck Taylor into those Legos, and I'm just standing there thinking, why would you sit out into that? That would hurt my ass. <laughs> you don't want a Lego going somewhere you might not want a Lego to go somewhere. You know? Yeah,
0: I I, I had that, too. It was like, why'd
1: he sit out? Bomb them and stack them. Yeah. Well, that was broken up by Orange Cassidy, who then hit a big tilt World DDT and the beach break. But then Kip kicks out. He kicked out of the beach break. I didn't like that.
0: No, not at all, especially considering that, like, Orange Cassidy's been beating people with it. He damn near won the, the TNT title with it on a cup. Like, that was a special move, and it, it didn't look great. Right. He didn't get – you know, you say he didn't get all of it. No, but, but it was uh,
1: one where he was hitting it pretty quick,
0: too. Yeah, it should have been a – fit. like, it's one for Miro to break up or counter or something, or that's Whoa. where – or that's where Orange Cassidy hits it on the Legos, and then he's got to sell him stuck up his ass or something. You can still get it in there, just poorly
1: done for the quick kickout. out. It, just was Kip saving. It, you don't even have to hit that or uh, the the beach break there. I think even if yeah. you hit that tornado or Total World DDT, Kip pops up and sells stagger and woozy, and then that leads us to the orange punch, which is exactly what happened next: an orange punch. We get the one, two, and Penelope pulls Aubrey Edwards out. The referee stops the count, so match not over. Penelope hits a low blow on Orange Cassidy, and she's getting ready to whip Orange Cassidy into the crane game that they have set on the outside. And before she can do that, we see the return of Chris Statlander She's in the Crane Game, the Alien Chris Statlander. I don't know. Is this a throw throwback to Toy Story and the Aliens in the Crane Game? Quite yeah, so. that's
0: Caliber tried to get over, but I, I thought it was great. Great it was a cool return out of the Claw Machine by Statlander. <laughs> Can honestly say no wrestler's ever done that before. Exactly. Cool return, but but why does she hate Penelope Ford? Where was all this pent up frustration that I forgot, missed? I don't know. It's been a year since we've seen her.
1: I don't know. If there, if there was something there, I'd have to go back because I, I want to say anything between those two happened on possibly some earlier episodes of Dark. I don't remember anything on Dynamite, but I will say just knowing where the alien Chris Stantlander is actually from, trained at Cap, created pro wrestler in New York, Trent's there, Orange Cassie's is an East Coast guy there. They're all, you know, they, yeah, they all work yeah. for Beyond and whatnot. They know... We, one another so i can see this was a natural fit to me when it comes to just who she could work with on the roster on the male side oh for sure
0: love the return just just didn't understand why she was helping best friends and why she hated penelope ford but it was a great visual pops through that glass beats the hell out of penelope penelope sells great she hits her with the Michinoku driver through the air hockey table off the apron, man, is a nasty bump to take. Yeah, welcome back. And then, the, you know, you fade out. So good use of the, the girls in there. Good job to have a an X-Factor to take Penelope out, but a lot of questions I, I have mean, on Chris
1: Stratlander. A nice carved-out spot for them that they performed pretty much perfectly in. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where Miro comes back after the focus is off the women. And he bowls over Orange Cassidy, hits him with a giant bee on the outside, and uses a chair on Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy as they climbed up the ramp on the outside of the the building where we see a set of headlights, a set of familiar headlights. As we see a white minivan roll down the rampway, as Miro is setting up a table, we get the return of... Quite possibly the most over superstar in AEW history, Trent's mom, Sue. Sue is driving the minivan, and her baby boy, Trent, is in that back seat. The sliding door opens, and these guys go to work, a big triple team in on Miro. But even the three of them, this is what I like to, <clears throat> excuse me, the three of them, as good as they are, Miro is such a monster and he had so much fight and fought back. He waved to Sue after knocking all three guys down and went towards the van. So we start to see more of that. Don't give a fuck, Miro. Just like we saw when he put Penelope Ford in the way. He was going to go after Sue, Trent's mom, this old lady. Like, Miro doesn't care anymore. Miro's here to win. And win at any cost. Well, Trent did stop Miro before he could get up to Sue. But Miro basically attempted, uh, I got here, attempts murder on Trent as he tries to throw an arcade cabinet at him. Luckily, Trent moves out of the way. He tossed back a chair towards Miro's dome, nailed him, and Trent hit a nice spear on the outside on that table. Very rhino esque, as like that table was set up in the corner type of spot, and we had a big running power slam from Chuck Taylor on Kip Stab- uh, Sabian through the stage. Nice bump, nice visual, nice way to to end it because Chuck Taylor then gets the one, two, three. I tell you what, the best friends and Orange Cassidy. If you were to tell me, what do you think the match these guys would excel the most in? It wouldn't be the street fight atmospheres. Because we see, I don't know about you, we'll get to your opinion on this match. But this arcade anarchy was entertaining. And just action the whole way through. And uh, we can't give enough praise to what they did with Proud and Powerful months back. I would never have thought, yeah. Put Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor in a street fight, and it seems like it seems to be a natural environment for these guys. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I mean, it's it, their style kind of fits for it. I mean, they've worked the indies. Both those guys have worked the indie shows for, I mean, over a decade. Both. I mean, Chuck Taylor's at least 15 years, probably 2005, six. Mm-hmm. I remember Chuck Taylor. Orange Cassidy was in. and He's like a 17, 18 year pro he was in chicago forever ago so what happens on a lot of these indie shows is you get a lot of brawls around the arena so i think that's what these guys and their long tenured careers are used to these out of the ring brawl around type type of matches they know spots that work and it you know it, they've found a niche with it um but you have to be a smart pro wrestler to still have good hardcore matches that engage an audience they do a really good job with it there and i would rather watch them in these type of matches than sometimes in a traditional two-on-two tag match because they can use the environment to help even the odds because you've got a killer like miro out there when you put them one-on-one with chuck or you put them one-on-one with orange Cassidy, it's just not believable to the eye that they're going to stand a chance with this dude so these matches work with them and even with proud and powerful they match up better size-wise, but those guys look like they're a hell of a lot tougher and look like better athletes than Cassidy, Taylor. Well, not so much Trent. I mean, Trent's a killer, too, but I, I thought the match weight, was fun. Baby. It was fine. The Statlanders. What
1: was that? So Trent's a heavyweight, baby.
0: Yes. <laughs> nice reference there. Um, but uh, the, the the one spot that. I referenced earlier on when I was like, towards the end, it lost me it was the Trent return with his mom. The, middle of the match. It's not to even the odds. It was very, I mean, it was to give them an odds advantage. And yet they took out the isolate Miro. And now it made yeah. Miro look really, really strong. He's a star. Yeah. I get it. They took, they took Trent. Out. I understand the booking behind it. I feel like this could have been a situation where maybe you take one of those unnecessary pre-tapes we talked about earlier, and you put that for this main event where, Miro and Kip take out Orange Cassidy, let's just say. Because the timing of Chuck, of Trent coming back, too. What timing? You know, well, the timing's peckable towards the end of the match. But you got Chuck coming out. He's got to do this arcade match on his own. But before the match starts, boom, here comes Trent's mom with Trent to save the day. What a! For and This is just me rebooking it. After, you know, hindsight 2020. And then you've got the two-on-two, two, the, the Trent and Chuck. You did the mom entrance there. Tell the story. You can still do the stat, the, the Chris Stratlander spot, but you receive her return for something else. You could have had Orange Cassidy pop up out of the claw
1: machine. But, but remember, we had Orange Cassidy her. get his ass beat the other week before a match, and
0: right. You could have, That's uh, what I'm saying. though. Is you could have did it again. Had the Trent return this time. Um, I, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. it was just things that I saw that I was like, man, like, just really looked stage but at the end of the day what i always say there's four things you got to do when you're booking someone's got to go over best friends had to go over to end this feud which i thought ended at the uh pay-per-view but best friends had to go over muro gets over they you couldn't have booked him better in this match to get himself over dude is a without winning yeah without winning like he killed three guys he dominated the match he got taken out with a returning vengeance spot. Totally fine. Oh, it was good, it. good.
1: Yeah, this match got Miro. two great returns. Two great yeah. return spots, nonetheless.
0: And that's where the rub goes is to the girls. Stratlander gets the rub coming out of this. And then the heat. Well, the heat is gonna lie with Miro. That's where your money is. And and you know, Kip and Kip and Penelope lit their wounds, but Miro is a star. He got over. He's gonna have the heat on him as he goes forward. Heat being money in this context. That's where your money lies. Um, so again, you check every box from a booking perspective. I don't, I don't hate it at all. Um, didn't love every second of it, but to your point, very entertaining and it did its job as a television wrestling match that's booked. Was booked well and executed
1: well. And at the very end, we got to give the people what they want. We get Chuck <laughs> Taylor and trent and orange cassidy giving the hug and then we get an invite with to chris statlander to join she joins and we get the big thumbs up from sue in the minivan as dynamite goes off the air another good episode of dynamite man yeah yeah
0: and like now that we've talked about it i know at the top i said you know i had mixed reactions there were some things i loved, some things i i didn't love i think i expressed those throughout here um you know i thought it was i thought it might have been a little bit better than last week's show overall um
1: i, I think i did enjoy this one more uh, i i certainly did and it goes back like it had me thinking like man we talked a few weeks ago where i was all about oh dynamite live is where it's at like I, this was one of these shows where i leaned, wow this was much better than last week's live show uh might be swaying my opinion there
0: i've always leaned towards the tape shows being a little bit better but that's usually was because it was more of the talent that i enjoyed but on this episode i mean you have christian and kazarian tremendous match tremendous match um and then you bookend it with the closing of an angle uh christian and kazarian could have easily been the main event but that was put in the right spot to open omega and the good brothers against the lucha brothers and later kid could have been the main event that's your middle slot fine of that usage there you had the right match in the main event because it blows off an angle and it establishes miro as a star um so the formatting of those three matches were fine it was just a lot of the stuff in between that i didn't care for
1: um hey, as there, was mentioned. No, there was nothing on this show that was having me get up to get the remote and change the channel no. And no. even with the amount of pre-tape and backstage promos that were done in here it didn't seem like they were as rushed as we had. What well, I don't know was that last week or two weeks ago, where everything just seemed like one run, long, uh, one long run-on sentence. Where yeah.
0: this one didn't. No, the only time I wanted to change channel was Marco stunt talking, but outside of that, <laughs> it was yeah, it, it, you know, it was they good.
1: Picture and picture break because that was probably fifteen twenty seconds. Oh yeah, in yeah. a two-hour show, I can deal with it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, and and um, I mean, Justin Roberts, Marco Stunt were my low points. Uh, the Christians match, the Pinnacle um, inner Circle Brawl were the two high points for me. Um, so you can't you can't go wrong with uh, with low points being less than ten seconds each, and the high points being f- tw- damn near twenty minutes on one and a good solid seven on the other. Um, but no, so for next week should be good. We're already a quarter through the year. We're three months deep. We're only, what, six weeks out from double or nothing.
1: I don't have a calendar in front of me, but yeah, it's, it's creeping upon us. So we should see, I mean, we see these feuds, uh, progressing week in and week out. It's only a matter of time. AEW's not a not a place where like a match gets announced the week before the pay-per-view type of thing they like to set it up and build to it yeah we might get one like a casino battle royale type of match that gets introduced a week maybe two before but no i think we're gonna start seeing our matches for double or nothing start shaping up here over the past the next couple of weeks should be interesting i'm wondering and double or nothing we've got Cody and QT's factions now. We've got the Inner Circle and uh, the Pinnacle going at it. I don't know, do you do blood and guts this early in this feud with the Pinnacle and, and the Inner Circle?
0: The Heat is definitely there. We'll see what they do over the next couple of weeks because that's the hardest part when you start something so hot with so much animosity and intensity is keeping that for a sustainable amount of time. Because you've got probably six. Seven, well, realistically, we're at April first right now, and if it's Memorial Day weekend, which is usually what they've tried to do with Double or Nothing, mm-hmm. um, it's usually been the Saturday before Memorial Day. But I believe it, it the it's Saturday Sunday before this Memorial year. Day. Yeah. So that's really seven weeks, um, at least. Might be eight on a calendar, but regardless, we might have eight episodes of TV, seven, eight episodes of TV to get there. So it's gonna be hard to do it. Um, they may have rushed the Inner Circle coming back with that much time, but we'll see what they do. I mean, the, the longer the I Inner know. Circle stayed away, the more blood
1: and guts would have felt coming up to it. But I, I, didn't was, ex, I didn't expect them to be back this week, especially on a pre-tape. Yeah. Same here.
0: Same here. I think we talked about that last week, that we probably won't see the Inner Circle because it's pre-taped and we'll see them at the live Which show. Which is a good surprise. It was yeah. a great surprise. Great. Yeah. It great, it was great. That was a great segment.
1: Which, and, which, therein, gives them another week to build to this big match that could should be happening with Pinnacle. Yeah,
0: I feel like I feel like it, it makes sense. I mean, they were hot in the blood and guts over like a total of four to six weeks back in February and March of last year with the Elite. So they have a little bit longer time to get there. Be a full three month build uh, to get to a match like this. I think it's enough time. I don't really – because then coming out of that with the way – if they go traditional war games, which I think they would here with the the surrender dynamic, um, you, you that's where you'd branch off. I almost feel like you'd be better off starting the program with that and then branching off and letting Jericho MJF be your money match, one-on-one, your problem powerful – I guess FTR, Hager, Warlock, Warlock, and then uh, obviously Sammy and Spears, because you can't put four matches on double or nothing surrounding this feud with everything else you have going on. It has to be some kind of multi-man, and this makes sense to be blood and guts if they go with it.
1: Yeah, I don't don't see this being some sort of... uh ten man tag, eight man tag type of situation, survivor series style type tag team match. This this already has the heat for it. Let's mm-hmm. let's do something where this is going to pay off somewhat. Let's Not just hope just that, some regular match. Let's hope they don't do stadium stampede,
0: which I could see them doing cuz it happened at the show last year. But that could be a little bit silly haha and this feud doesn't seem like it needs a little silly haha type of match like that. It needs it needs something serious. Right now, the things could change over the
1: next few weeks. The thing with Blood and Guts is it's going to be such a big match that it's more so of a match that does need to be in front of a jam-packed house. So I can't see them holding off until they... Yeah, it's nice that there's 1,500 or 2,000 people or however many there is in Daly's Place. But a 20,000-seat arena full of the most hardcore wrestling fans in the world right now, AEW fans that will travel. This is, you know, these, the big four pay-per-views for them, their destination style pay-per-views when this world opens up and man, 20,000 people in the seats for blood and guts would be something. I don't, I don't think it's
0: out of the question that blood and guts. Wouldn't be in front of a full crowd. I mean, the Texas Rangers played their, their opening day game with a full baseball stadium, uh, it's May. They could do, they could do some kind of. And that they're not going to put it in the Jag Stadium and sell it out. But they could, they could put it in a, a baseball park. They could put, it, they could, they could do blood. They could do that show in front of a, a 20,000 people audience, if they could sell the tickets, um, which I think they could. This would be the time to maximize and go for something like that, in my opinion, um, because the world's opening back up. People are getting vaccines. Florida's already lawless.
1: So, yeah, but in that land of lawlessness, Tony Khan's kept a pretty level head and has implemented the best testing practices in pro wrestling. So, I don't see them pushing, pushing
0: Dana, getting
1: people right now. But.
0: but Dana's running Jacksonville here in three weeks with the UFC event with 20,000 people planned. So I think they might be looking at that before they make a final decision on whether they're going oh, to yeah. do with this.
1: But then again, Dana, Dana, it, do it. Dana White's an asshole, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, no, I mean, that, but that's something where if ADW says, all right, UFC's coming into Jacksonville. They're going to do this with people. Let's see what happens. If that goes over smoothly, you're going
1: to see a packed house for double or nothing. Uh, we'll see. Listen. <laughs> I'm a wrestling fan myself, but we know most how most wrestling fans are. Let's let's stereotype it a little bit. I don't want to be around a lot of wrestling fans in a That's pandemic, baby.
0: That's me and you. But, hey, there's indie shows that, that were taking place last summer in 2020 that were getting 80 to 100 people with blood and guts all over the canvas and no ring ropes. Uh, And these wrestlers were doing that and the fans, and there were no masks. So wrestling fans don't care. That's found them to get there, and we know they're – They're crazy enough to have gone this long without shows. They'll travel to it. If you're AW, you can make it happen.
1: Well, I'm definitely going to have to check with legal first and see what their (laughs) their standings are. But we'll see. But, yeah, we've got some build-up coming. should be coming up soon for Double or Nothing. Looking forward to it. Another great episode here with you on Ramblings of a Grappleman, the Elite Edition. Thanks for having me again. Oh, Always a pleasure, Nick. Looking forward to next week. I
0: mean, I look forward to talking about it just sometimes more than watching the show. So um, it's been an eventful expedition here uh, as we recap Dynamite. And thank you for joining us on this expedition as we will come back next week with another episode of Elite Edition.